Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. We have officially reached the premiere episode of Season 3. If you listened to the show before, you probably know I'm constantly doing everything I can to improve on every aspect of the show. So having said that, things are... Once again, going to be a little different this season. First thing I like to do is uh, give you longer episodes. Most of the episodes I've done in the past two seasons are less than 10 minutes long, with a few exceptions. First thing... um, Secondly, I will continue to do horror stories, but I'd like there to be more variety to the show. So I'm doing poetry, not just dark, <clears throat> not just dark poems like I've done before, but um, also stuff uh, a little more lighthearted. And for today's episode i'm going to do two poems one uh light-hearted poem the other a dark piece of poetry both written by yours truly and remember to always uh feel free to leave me voice messages uh with your thoughts and opinions about whatever after each poem you're going to hear a chime that signals the end of each poem now, before I do that, I recently finished my debut novel back in February. The novel is a rewrite of my novella, Abigail, and the sequel to Abigail, Out for Blood. Now, I rewrote both novels, and I put them, or both novellas, and put them into one novel. Uh... I called that the Abigail Caravo Saga. And as of just a few days ago, I uploaded the manuscript to ACX, or as you all know it, Audible. Uh, After a short period of time, one single audition came through. I immediately recognized the name of the narrator. And when I listened to her audition, it was uh, her audition for Abigail. I knew she was perfect for the job. So tonight I'm going to play a clip from the audiobook narrated by the amazingly talented Margaret Woodall. Uh, So without further ado, let's start the show. first we're going to start things off a little bit mellow tonight i'm going to read a lighthearted poem that i wrote now for those of you who know me this poem might come as a shock to you since i'm a horror writer and 
lighthearted usually is in my forte. So here it is. I've never gave this poem a uh, an actual title, so I'll do that now, and I'll call it the sunset. The sun hovers on the horizon. The man on the moon is still hiding. It's not dark just yet, but I watch as the sun sets. My bare feet glide across moist blades of grass as I sit, waiting for time to pass. But it's not dark just yet. I watch the sunset. Doves hover above. Chirping their songs of love, songs that I won't soon forget. As I watch the beautiful sunset, I admire the pink and purple sky. As the waves crash nearby, but it's not dark just yet. I watch the sunset. The ocean water steadily flowing. The moon above me is brightly glowing. It's getting dark now. Yet somehow I know. I won't regret sitting here watching and waiting, waiting for the sun to set. Now for poem number two. I call this one the dark zone. Living like a phantom in the dark dark zone. Feeling heartbroken and all alone, they say that misery loves company, but the only one I see is me. I'm about to break now. Here comes my breakdown. <clears throat> I'm about to break now. Here comes my breakdown. I'm really fucking losing it. The alcohol isn't helping me through it. The razor blade won't cut, and the pills ain't doing it. Feel like I'm tripping, and the world is slipping, slipping away, gone like the sun at the end of the day. My demons are haunting me. They keep on taunting me. I can't fucking breathe. The air is paper thin. The walls are closing in. I don't know when these feelings will end. I can't tell if my life is over or just about to begin. So for now, I continue living, living like a phantom in the dark zone, feeling heartbroken and all alone. Thank you all for listening to my poetry. I'll try to do more poetry more often, and of course, it will both be lighthearted and also dark. Uh, now, for the moment you have all been waiting for, I am going to play a clip of Margaret Woodwall doing the narration for the Abigail Caribou saga. She. This is a clip of Chapter Five. Chapter Five. It's been nearly two months since my father was found dead. Despite Inspector Laurent's investigation, no new information has surfaced. I've had to relieve my housemates of their duties in order to prevent them from finding out what I was becoming. For the past few weeks, I've kept myself locked in my abode. Ansel and I have been training to hone my newfound ability. Now tonight is the night that I start my own investigation. Tonight I find out what this list of names means. In the dark of the night, I found myself roaming the streets of Paris. 
Staying in the shadows every step of the way, I discovered a bar that looked to be intentionally hidden from the public. I took a few steps to cross the street, then enter the bar doors. Immediately, I lock eyes with a lone gentleman who leans across the bar to order his drink. From where I stood, I could hear the bartender say, What'll it be, sir? The gentleman doesn't answer, but starts towards me. I give an inviting smile, then back out through the door. Just as I had hoped, he follows me, but keeps a distance between us. I continue strolling slowly, then turn the corner, leading him down a dark alleyway. Finally, he follows me up a narrow wooden staircase, leading up to an old flat. Opening the door, I entered the room, leaving the door slightly cracked open. It was no surprise that he followed me into the dimly lit room. After all, that's exactly what I had planned for. I stand in the center of the room, letting the man approach. Now just a few inches away from me, I reach out, placing a hand on his chest. I grasp his shirt collar in my hand and lead him to the next room. Pressed against the far wall is an old bed. The sheets are tattered and coated in thick dust. A little dust doesn't concern me, madam. If it doesn't deter you, it doesn't deter me, he says, looking towards the bed. That's when I wrapped my fingers around his neck, picking him up. With one arm, I throw him over to the bed, then jump on top of him. Oh my, you're much stronger than you look, madam, the man remarks as I pin his arms down with mine. Releasing one of his arms, I rip his shirt open, then pin him down again. Oh, I love a woman who takes control, he says, as I reach down to unbuckle his pants. Good, because here's how this is going to work, I say, lifting my dress, still straddling him. If you give me what I'm after... I'll give you what you're after. Beg your pardon, madam, but what exactly are you after? He asks with a look of confusion. You may not be a postman, but I had someone follow you this morning, I say, moving his hard cock into position. You were seen hand-delivering a red envelope to eight different men, each of their names matching a name on this list. Removing the paper from the cleavage of my dress, I held the list in front of his face. I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about, madam. I haven't delivered any letters. Don't lie to me, I scream, leaning down and biting into his bare chest. He winces in pain and shivers as if a chill ran up his spine. Tasting the fear in his blood, I ask again, Who are the men on this list? Tell me what you know, or things will get a lot worse for you very quickly, I say, biting into his chest once more. Okay, I'll tell you everything you need to know. Just stop biting me, he says, pleading. You're right. I delivered eight pieces of correspondence early this morning. Each piece of correspondence addressed to the highest-ranked members of the Order. The Order? I ask, still straddling him. What is the Order? The Order of the Black Veil is a secret society that supposedly controls all of Paris. Some say their reach goes beyond Paris and beyond all of France. I don't know much of anything about the order other than that. I'm just a hired messenger. Who hired you? I ask, with my hand still on his now semi-soft cock. I'm not sure. Everything was done anonymously. That's all I know. Now, madam, I'd like to take my leave if you don't mind. I thought we had a deal. You give me what I want, and I'll give you what you want, I reply, smiling. Later that evening, after having my way with the man, I returned home. Whilst relaxing in the bath that Ansel has drawn for me, I hear a gentle tap outside the door. You may enter, Ansel, I say, covering myself with a towel. 
also enters with his back turned to me, and of course carrying a tray of tea with him. I've just come to check on you, madam. Thought perhaps you could use a spot of tea. Thank you, dear Ansel. You're far too kind to me, I say with a slight smirk. Tell me, now that you have this list of names and know that the men on it are all part of a secret society, what is the next step? Ansel inquires, setting the tray down. I have reason to believe these eight men are responsible for my father's death. If they're not, then perhaps they know who is. I'll find out when and where they meet next. I'll kill them all then. All due respect, madam, but surely there must be a better way. What would you have me do, dear Ansel? Should I just stay home, do nothing, and let my father's death be in vain? I ask, feeling betrayed by his remark. Never would I suggest such a thing, madam, he replies. I'm merely offering a different approach. Okay, Ansel, we'll try it your way, I say, standing up and stepping out of the tub. Now tell me, what is this idea of yours? We go down the list, one name at a time. We follow each of these men and learn everything we can learn about who they are. We need to know their every move, where they go every day, who they talk to. Once we know everything we need to know, then what? What happens next, Ansel? Simple, madam. We wait for the opportune moment, then we go in for the kill, Ansel says, handing me a dry towel. Who's the first person on your list? Marius Babinoff. It's settled then, Ansel exclaims, as he steps toward the bathroom door. Tomorrow morning, I'll follow Mr. Babinaw. I'll find out where he goes, what he does, and who he speaks with along the way. May 17, 1792 It was early evening when Ansel finally returned home to report his findings to me. I greeted him in the foyer as he entered through the front door. Ansel pulls the door closed behind him, then heads into the parlor. I follow closely behind and sit down across from him. Tell me, dear Ansel, what information do you have for me? What have you found out about Mr. Babinaw? As you know, dear sweet Abigail, I left the house at first light. After asking around for a bit, I discovered that the man is a banker. I spent most of the day waiting for him outside the bank, Ansel replies. For a single leave and the help of a street boy, I was able to find out which of the men leaving the bank was Mr. Babinaw. Where did he go from there? I ask, leaning in to listen closer. I followed the tall, thin man with black hair that shone like he'd been walking in the rain. Keeping my distance, I watched closely as Marius strolls down the sidewalk. He stopped at a corner bistro, where he sat at one of the outside tables. Even though he hadn't been long enough to order anything, I saw a young woman bring him a warm cup of tea. I can only assume that means he's a regular at the bistro. What else did you see? Did you notice anything strange at all? I ask, interrupting his story. I was across the street, posing as a customer at the florist on the corner. I kept an eye on Marius as he finished his tea and stood from his seat. He left payment for his tea on the table, then left the bistro. I crossed the street, following Marius once again. I must have gotten too close. Marius looked over his shoulder. Oh no, I exclaimed. He didn't see you, did he, Ansel? I'm afraid I can't be sure, so I quickly ducked into an alley. I stayed there until I saw Marius turn the next corner. Once I came out of the alleyway, I continued the path I expected him to take. To my surprise, he was nowhere to be found. The only place he could have gone was to the bakery, but I saw no one. No matter how hard I tried, I could not relocate Mr. Babinaw. After a while, I decided to return home. 
My deepest apologies for losing track of him, madam, Ansel said, sounding worried. No apologies needed, Ansel. Where did you say you lost track of him? I asked as I stand to my feet. Somewhere between the bistro and the bakery. Why do you ask, madam? Because the sun is finally down. I'm going back to that alley. Maybe a second set of eyes will give us some more information. I'll be back soon enough. It wasn't long after that that I found myself across the street from the alleyway. I stood on the roof of the florist watching and waiting. I watch as a man makes his way down the alley. He stops by the back door of the bakery. A few minutes later, the door opens and a young woman exits. Once the man enters the building, I jump from the roof and down to the street. Crossing the gravel road in my long, black, form-fitting dress and leather boots, I make my way down the alley. I gently knock on the bakery's back door. A few seconds later, the young woman emerges. I hadn't noticed it from the rooftop, but the young woman's face was marked with a horrendous scar. We locked eyes as I approached, but she quickly bowed her head. I can only assume she was insecure with her appearance. You are far too beautiful to hide your face, I say, as I place my finger on her chin. Lift your head and hold it high. The world belongs to you, and one day you will show everyone how beautiful you really are. A smile flashes across the young woman's face. She lifts her head and lets me inside. Stepping into the room, I hear the door close behind me. To my surprise, the room is full of sexual torture devices, as well as men and women acting as dominants and submissives. In one corner of the room was a nude man being spanked by a wooden paddle with his head in a stockade. On the other side of the room, a nude woman is tied to a St. Andrew's cross. The sight of it all excited and aroused me. I fight to stay focused on the task at hand. I ascend the stairs. At the top of the staircase was a velvet painting depicting the Marquis de Sade. As I reach the top step, a woman who looks to be 50 years of age approaches me. Do you see anything that arouses your interest? She asks, brushing my hair back behind my ear. Oh yes, absolutely, I replied. I see a lot of things that pique my interest, but I'm actually here looking for someone. I've scheduled a play date with Marius Babina. Maybe you can help me find him. Oh, of course, she says, taking my hand in hers. Follow me. You'll find him just through these doors. The woman leads the way. I follow. I approach the room and push the doors open. Marius is completely nude and tied to a whipping bench. He's lying face down with his hands tied behind his back. A leather gag is stuffed in his mouth and a blindfold across his eyes. A woman dressed in leather stands near the whipping bench. She spots me immediately. I gesture for her to stay quiet and I approach. She hands me the nine-tailed whip in her hand, then leaves the room. Once the doors are closed... I approach the whipping bench. First, I ran my long fingernails across his bare back, leaving red marks on his skin. He twitches as a chill runs up his spine. I crack the whip across his lower back. He winces in pain. I can't help but smirk, but I keep my silence. Again, I crack the whip against his bare skin, this time harder than the last. Red welts appear on his ass. I whip him harder, harder, and harder. I keep whipping until the leather breaks the skin. Marius begins to bleed ever so slightly. Once again, I begin to feel aroused. Marius seems to be enjoying the abuse. I hear him moan through the gag in his mouth. Throwing the whip to the floor, I took a leather strap from the wall. 
The strap was long and lined with several metal studs. With a heavy swing, I hit Marius as hard as I could. The man screamed in pain. I continued my abuse as blood drips from his small wounds. I can no longer resist my urges. I jump on his back and sink my sharp teeth into his neck. Tearing his flesh, I continue feeding on his blood until his body feels cold. Once I was sure of his death, I made my escape through the bedroom window and disappeared into the night. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. That's it for tonight's show, uh, and I uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, also, remember the Abigail Carroll saga is available on Amazon.com or uh, wherever book- books are sold. If you order it, you can order it from Walmart.com, I believe, and even BarnesandNobles.com. Once again, thank you all for listening, and have a good night. <laughs>